Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a karate teacher to trim their hedges. Man, these shrubs are not made of plywood. Don't worry, another few chops should do it. Yeah! Nope! Yeah! Dang! But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Oh, this treehouse looks like particle board. Yeah! There we go. I'm starting to doubt myself. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Ahoy there, mateys. I always wanted to say that. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. How are we all doing today? It's, uh, it, we uh, are partially recovered from a temporary uh, setback here in the Keys when we had the uh, tropical storm Ada hit the upper Keys a little harder than the south Keys, but it's mainly trees and things like that, a lot of rain. We're open for business, and uh, there are still people down here. There's still people coming down here. There were people that stayed down here during the storm. There's people that had been planning vacations for a long time. There's people that just wanted to get out of their neck of the woods to come down. We had um, some newlyweds down here earlier in the week. uh, And they were, uh, I think, what what day was it? Today? So, yes, it was Wednesday. So, on Monday, I had some newlyweds. They were planning for a long time to come down here. They were staying at one of these all, one of the few all-inclusive resorts in the United States. And there was nothing really open in the Keys. We found a, after a little, what would you call it, after-action report, the day after Tropical Storm Ada hit, a lot of the venues closed for, if not for the afternoon, the whole day, some closed a little, uh, are closed for two two days for cleanup because they had to clean up the park lots and stuff like that. That's what happens. You get it after storms. You get a lot of trees that come down. So uh, we're we're fortunate. Uh, the uh, tropical storm outlook is still uh, posting some. There's one storm going out to Portugal. There's another one developing in the mid-Atlantic right now. So we're just keeping an eye on that. Interesting story. You know, the for some of these, my home is not one of the newer homes, but it's not very old either. It's not a conch, what they call a traditional conch home. It's a, it's a hard construction concrete cinder block home. Uh, can withstand a lot of damage. The... Um, we have old storm shutters, and that's the thing you, you have to decide. You're, you're looking and saying, well, I'm going to put the storm shutters up. Uh, other people have them built in. They have the, you know, the collapsing ones. They have impact windows. We don't have impact windows. Someday, and as we talk on the later part of the show, we'll look and see uh, what the possibilities are there with me perhaps moving someday to a place where we have impact windows and the easier uh, time of it right before a storm. But the people that come down here are still excited. It's kind of uh, depressing for them 
when they have these expectations that they're coming from a climate, let's say that's, you know, 30, you know, 30 degrees cooler, maybe 50 degrees, 60, and they're looking for some of our heat to be able to go in the water. I was talking to a very nice couple from Texas last night, and they want to, uh, they were planning on fishing every day. The gentleman, uh, God, I should have wrote down their names, but they're from Texas, and they were a very nice couple. They came in right before we uh, closed, and they just said they got into town, and they saw we were putting up things, and that's the nuanced approach to how do you welcome people when you're thinking in your head, oh, I just want to get the fuck out of here. But you know what? You, you got to put yourself in their their shoes. They just traveled. They just got in the airport, got their car, traveled a couple. I mean, they've been traveling. Okay, if they got down here like 10 of 9, and from a, they probably left the car rental place around 7.30, quarter after 7. Their uh, plane probably landed at 6.30. They, they came in from Dallas, so was that an hour and a half trip? So they, you know, they maybe got on the plane around five o'clock, five thirty, and they got here. It's a long day, and you're hungry. I mean, you come into the Upper Keys. A lot of places close down early. They do. It's just we don't have that many people. But once you have that empathy, and you think, "Wow, that is a long day. I'm hungry myself," and they're not, they're not home. They can't just go and eat. They got to, you know. Eat. Who wants to go to a convenience store and grab one of those uh, bologna and cheese sandwiches or ham and cheese sandwiches they have right there that could have been questionably there for like a week? They just have, they don't have the date created. They have the expiration date on it. Who wants a week-old sandwich as your meal? And then when you're really hungry, obviously, that's what you need. A lot of people on Monday were eating week-old sandwiches from some of the convenience stores. That's a... one nice thing down here in the Keys, if you do ever, uh, right after a storm, like a couple days after everything's cleaned up, if you were going to go to one of those convenience stores, the that's the best time to go to a convenience store and the best time to get the sandwich because they're all cleaned out most of the time. You get rid of that. Like if you're going to order gas station sushi two days after a, a tropical storm, that's the day to get it. Because people ate that other stuff. They ran out of it. I remember as a young lad, 18, 19 years old in college, when the uh, uh, winter storm would come through. I, I was going to college in my hometown. And I lived in the far northeastern corner of the city. My home was. But I lived on campus. And prior to a snowstorm, my modus operandi was to go to the 7-Eleven about three blocks away and grab Hormel chili or corned beef hash. And I would just you know, get like six cans of it and keep it on hand because I didn't want I don't want to be stuck with not having any, uh, you know, when the cafeteria closes, when, you know, whenever 
uh, a snowstorm hits in a city, you know, it's like, especially one of those borderline cities such as Philadelphia. When I say borderline cities, I'm not making a value judgment. I'm talking about between the uh, Mason-Dixon line because we don't get, they don't get a ton of snow. So we don't, we don't have a, a plethora of snow removal equipment. So it's a little sluggish getting started there. So I would, that's what I would do. And then in the hurricane season, uh, people down here, oh my God, right before a storm, it just gets cleaned out. Why in the fuck would the meat section of the um, supermarket be cleaned out right before a storm? I mean, a canned food should be cleaned out. Tuna, spam, underwood deviled ham, deviled chicken, uh, or mountain chili, beef stew, all that stuff, all that canned stuff. It's great for not having not having electricity and if you have a grill with one of those which I always you always make sure you have you have your propane and all that stuff so you can do some cooking in case you lose power fortunately we did not lose power but as we were uh, discussing in the topic you see in episode this is episode 345 we are getting close rapidly close to 350 and I can imagine how many weeks we have to the new year? Well, maybe I'll try to do as many shows as possible. Maybe I can get to episode 400. Nah, but New Year's Eve. New New Year's Eve 2020 is going to be... Uh, let me check the date. New Year's Eve 2020. What day is that? I think I'm off. I'm, well, I don't know if I'll be able to do a show. I'd love to do a live show on uh, New Year's Eve. If uh, the wife agrees to it, I don't want to... You know, you gotta, you gotta uh, balance your home life with your avocations, the things I like. I like this, so I like doing podcasts. It's like doing. This is my uh, log, my diary, my journaling. This is what I do. It's so easy to do it this way, and I th- appreciate you for listening to it. So, recently, and I talk about this several times before, I have, as I've gotten older, and the older you get, you recognize your mortality. You don't think about it so much when you're in your 20s and 30s. You know, you come across incidents when you're young, the things that may cause you to take pause when you have you know, get a very dangerous situation. It makes you think about life and death. But as you get older, it just becomes more apparent around you. The people you know, the, your experience with illness, death, those things occur and you see people battling it out. And years ago, I remember hearing this uh, quote from Shakespeare. And it goes, nothing I, I'm just paraphrasing. Nothing is good and bad in the world, lest thinking make it so. So what they're suggesting is that it's the value judgment of particular situations. This is what Hamlet said. It was from Hamlet and the main character, the Prince of Denmark, that perhaps his his was a big it was patricide, meaning well, it was a patricide. His father was murdered by his brother. His mother was 
now married to his uncle, and he knows about it. He knows he's he's told by his father's ghost what happened, and he makes a judgment over. And this thing he says he was tormented by it, couldn't let it go. Hamlet couldn't let it go, and he just day to you know, day to day, moment by moment, he's just thinking about it. And I think that's what we can relate to. And the suggestion that nothing is good and bad, if I can just not make a value judgment on particular actions, my life would be better. That's what pretty much Hamlet is positing there. And yesterday, and I go through bouts of this, of anxiety. And who knows, if is, is anxiety just basically mental or is it a physical reaction? And it, it very well is physical. It could be due to lack of sleep. The night before, I had woken up and I read for like two and a half hours from 3 to 5.30 and tried to go back to sleep. And I slept for an hour and a half. And I was I ended up, uh, it's been months and months and months, probably while I was still drinking, that I had bouts of insomnia. And with the lack of sleep, the body builds up, you get tired, and your brain starts functioning, kind of screwed up. So you get this general, I get this generalized angst, and it just doesn't go away. And I didn't exercise yesterday. And then last night, I was talking about, you know, running into some wonderful people and stuff. I get in my car, halfway home, which luckily is a close place, you know, about, a well, actually more than halfway home, about a half a block or my, I notice my tires flat and instead of stopping at the thing, I just drive on, it's a, you know, about, a, you know, 300 yards drive on that quickly flattening tire and I pull in the driveway and I'm, and I always think about, Oh, that's bad. That's bad. I made a value adjustment. Oh, that's bad. I got to Now I got to get this tire fixed and stuff like that. Oh, I can replace the other one. I can go and take it and get repaired. But we have this really great mobile service down here. And it costs about $5, $10 more to get this guy to come to your house to do it and change your tire and fix the flat. So I decided to do that. And then I started considering. I said, wait a second. This flat, after a storm and stuff, you get a lot of crap on the roads and driving around, you could very well, you don't notice things on the road because you got all these limbs and leaves and things like that. So you could very well could have drove over something that damaged the tire. And in my head, I may have to replace the tire. I may replace two tires on, or four tires on, on the car, but I think I they're pretty, pretty new, less than a year and a half old. And I got a lot of wear left in them. So I'm going to let that go. But I thought back the uh, earlier in the day, I had picked up my daughter. She had been at a birthday party at a local resort where they got uh, the mother had a bunch of the girls o- over and they had a little party and they, they stayed overnight. They swam in the pool. They had a really good old time. And that flat tire could happen with my daughter in the car about you know, six miles away. And we could have been stuck alongside a road and things like that. But it happened at night around the corner from my house. 
that's actually I put it in thing. That's actually the most one of the most opportune. Well, the most opportune things. If I drove home, it was fine. I came out and saw it was flat. But <laughs> that that's actually a good thing. But then I said, now I'm judging it as good. Why can't I just be neutral about it from day to day? And why do I have to live? Why do we have to live with these things where we're judging things all the time? And it's not necessarily the big things that happen. Obviously, when you have a, a relative get sick or har- die in a horrible manner or anything, a horrible natural disaster or war or famine or disease, we, we immediately go and judge them. But in moralism, which is a philosophy where you say there's an innate, innate sense where some things are wrong and some things are right or the good and the bad, like murder, bad, uh, birth, good, right? Now, there's relative, uh, relativism where it's you judge the action in context, that if someone were to threaten people and you murder them, you know, if they were going to kill lots of people and you ended up killing them by committing murder, stopping them, then that could be, that's relativism. And you say, hey, listen, I did this act in order to stop a greater evil. And uh, that that's relatively more. But I'm going to just talk today about the judgment and and mostly that good and bad judgments that occur are small things every day are small things. So it's like going to a supermarket and you see all the, there's, let's say there's 16 registers, 16 cash registers down here, or whatever you call checkout lines, 16 checkout lines, and only three of them are open. And the line has like four or five people in it. They have no automatic checkout. And then you only have three things, four things. And you got to stand in line behind these people. You're making a judgment. This is bad. Why can't it be neutral? Why can't something happen? Why, and, and besides, it may not even only be bad. It could be good. What if you're standing in that line and in the time that you would have went out, you could have been in an accident or you could experience something nice. You'd be looking at a, a, a lovely person or you get to talk to somebody. You get to spend time just looking around, relaxing, decompressing or something like that. It doesn't always have to be this is good or this is bad. And that's what I think they both Shakespeare was kind of a, a psychologist before his time. He did all sorts of things. He said, talking about, um, I'm paraphrasing a lot of statements, love is blind, uh, doing about doing your best, wearing your heart on your sleeve. Uh, all is well that ends well. All is well that ends well, meaning that if the ending is well, then all is well. So, we, we do make these value judgments throughout the day and they affect us. And if we're judging them as bad and that's affecting us, then relatively they become bad because it may have had a negative effect on you. But if you, uh, so I'm not suggesting that we look at bad things that happen and judge them as good or good things that happen and, and not judge them at all. But I would say not 
not to take it to heart automatically. Missing the light when you're in a hurry. Um, let's say someone having a uh, disagreement with you. You can let that ruin your whole day. You make that value adjustment. This is not a good thing. You wake up in the morning. It's raining outside. Your hair is going to be uh, frizzy. You got your foot wet, your shoes wet. Now you're walking around with one wet shoe. You spill coffee on a report you're supposed to hand in. And why the fuck are you still handing reports and paper? Why don't you just leave it in electronic format and send it to the person, right? Uh, whatever. So all those things. You've got a pimple on the end of your nose. Good, bad, maybe nothing. There's that old story that um, I think it's a Buddhist parable uh, or something like that where a, a a farmer has all these things occur to him in life. Good, bad, who's to say? Something like that. Whenever something happens, when it's good or bad, people say, oh, you're so unlucky, you're so lucky, you're so this, you're so that. And then you go, who's the judge? So just pick anybody. Pick anybody. And there's, it's you can you can make it that way the hate the hate that's out there now and we we don't even have to just talk about in this country here United States we're still working out the election here and there's a lot of hard feelings about it and people staked out their positions and they've invested their emotions in it and I invested my emotions into it I think people understand where I, my point of view was but I really wanted to be like if my true self would be like, I wouldn't let it affect me. And the more I think about it, and the more I talk about it, the more I can feel that and say, listen, I'm not being fatalistic or I'm not being optimistic or things like that. You just want to be what good, bad, who knows with this thing. So what? Do your best. And that's kind of my thing that I've been thinking about. Now I'm going to start segueing over. We'll eventually talk about, I want to talk about listenership in different areas of the globe. And uh, it's very interesting. But uh, for now, I want to talk about just endeavoring to do my job daily. I've always had a thing while I was, when I was in uh I guess when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was striving real hard. And then once I got got to that point, I would get bored very easily once. I'd always struggled to get adept at whatever I'm doing. And once I became to an adequate level, I would let it go. Because for me, it was the struggle to become competent and adept at something, whether it be uh, working on vehicles, which I never got to be very good with that. So, But actually, in relationships, I got to be kind of comfortable making connections with the opposite sex. And, I, and towards the end, I was, and then 
I think after I realized that I could, if I could empathize with the other person, the opposite sex, my women, and care about what they care about. And I'm not talking about caring about if they're in animals, they care. I care about the relationship stuff. Like, I want to be warm. I want to be cared about. I want to be listened to. Talk about those things. Not, you know, shadowing or mirroring someone else's reactions or being, um, you know, the opposite, the, the male counterpart to a female. It's just being able to relate to them, uh, be comfortable around them and entertain them. I became adept at that. Then I decided I'm ready to settle down and realize that that I can be with someone and I'm not trying to validate myself. And I'm always trying to, try to validate myself by having a relationship. That's what guys that's guys and girls do sometimes. Try to validate themselves as a person. They're always doing it, whether it be in a job, in school, in uh, their non-professional associations, maybe. Yeah, can they pay, belong to a soccer club, uh, some kind of fraternal organization, a service organization, a political party. And they're always trying to say, well, I want to be seen as a good member of that. And that's how we identify. So I wanted to be identified as a good partner. And, and uh, once I became good at something, I decided I, I stopped striving for it. And just like drinking, drinking did that for years. When I say drinking did that, drinking made me forget about things and make me think about what, and that because I always overindulged. I always overindulged, not just restricting like some day to day. I may only have a couple of drinks, but when I, I was always thinking about, well, I can overindulge this weekend. Why, why would I overindulge? Why would, why would I drink a bottle of bourbon? You know, it's just, it just happened. I just can't, just one of those things. Is it my behavior that makes me want to drink or is it just me wanting to drink? Right now, I don't want to drink. I haven't wanted to drink and it's almost going to, it's almost going to be a year. And I'm not value judging whether it's better to drink or not drink. I know for me that I perform better in every aspect when I'm not drinking, my anxiety levels drop and things like that. And dealing with anxiety yesterday, not having enough sleep, just being aware of my anxiety makes me more proactive in doing things to stop them. Like today I get up, I call as soon as eight o'clock rolls around because I don't want to call before eight. I got the guy's number. So I wait till eight o'clock. I call him at 8.01. <laughs> yeah, 8.01. I didn't wait real late, but 8 o'clock, you know, figure if you're in the, me- if you're in the mechanic field, that's the time you normally are up working and stuff like that because it's not, it's not like banker hours and stuff like that. People just get it early, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, whatever. Some depends on it. So I call him. I take care of that. I go and work out. I do some cardio. I do some, I didn't do any, uh, calisthenics or like push-ups and sit-ups yet, but I'd probably be doing that. And then I think about podcasting. I could have very easily said, well, I'm waiting for my car to get 
the tire fixed. And then I got to go and do some errands, like to do some things for the family and stuff like that. But I got up and I did something. I said, you know what? I'm going to do practice some self-care <clears throat> and do that. And I know, and then exactly anxiety levels drops. And it's, uh, <clears throat> there's some evidence that says that working, exercising reduces your anxiety and things like that. But it's all part of the big picture. Like I watch my caffeine intake. I got to drink lots of water. For some reason, that's the lubricant of the body. You got to drink lots of water. That's my thing. When I say you got to, I'm talking about myself. Because there are also evidence that drinking coffee is also a, a way to hydrate. Yeah, I read it one time. So it doesn't mean it's true or not, but I don't know. So I'm not value judging that. And I'm not value judging my exercise. I know I got to do 20 about a minimum of 20 minutes of cardio exercise to get the full effects and get my heart rate <clears throat> about 50 to 60% over resting. And when I get those, when I get, well, maybe, no, about 70%, 70% over my heart, 70, 80% of my heart for about 20 minutes. Actually, ideally, maybe if I can get it up to like, I, I get it up to a level sometimes. And now here, this is my problem because I'm always second guessing myself. But what I try to do is I don't want to be exhausted, but I want to be tired. I want to have some sweat going. Boom. And that's that works for me. And I swear to God, the endorphins get, I don't need anything else. I do have my caffeine. Obviously, you can probably tell by me just talking. And that's my self-care. I may do a little uh, meditation. I plan to do a podcast. I could have very easily sat down. I had, uh, you know, I have the brand brand new big screen television. Everyone has a big screen television nowadays, but I have that. I do that. And I contemplate things. I stop listening to the news because there's nothing really I can do other than fret about it. I used to tell people that was, I was my major was history and political science. And I always said, I know about the inner machinations of politics. Right? I know. But I really don't know. I don't know. I don't really control that. And I also think about why do I demonize people that disagree with me? And why do they judge their intent? Now, there's some things I still equate to moralism, like racism is bad, genocide is bad, um, being uh, transphobic or hating people of other lifestyles is bad. Being xenophobic, hating people outside the country. Just all those things. And that leads to the thing, hate. Good or bad, thinking hate. Now, obviously, you can really get things done if you take strong emotions, and that's hate. And feelings of dissatisfaction. Let's say, sample the uh, Nazi party in Germany, 1930s, 1940s. They use that, but it's unsustainable. I'd have to trigger, I'd have to say, and this is my comparison, that building a movement based on hatred and dislike is like building a fire with logs. Eventually, you got to keep on throwing logs on the fire, but eventually it's going to burn out. You just have a certain amount of fuel. 
you'll you'll use up all the wood uh case of point geographically and just look if you take an aerial photo or a satellite photo of the island of hispaniola haiti and dominican republic dominican republic is still reforested haiti is deforested so if you keep on taking that then you're done you have no more fuel for the fire the fuel for the fire ended in, in Nazi Germany with war, nonetheless. You know, yeah, the Soviets and Americans took them out. But there you go. And I would equate the non-judgment and empathy as using a different power, something that can sustain you for longer. Now, obviously, you could be murdered by a horrible regime. Pol Pot in Cambodia, um, Stalin. Uh, you know, Stalin's regime in, in Russia, uh, Saudi Arabia, things like that. Yes, they can kill you, but the spirit of uh, acceptance and empathy is something that kind of runs on its own. You don't have to add fuel to it. It just exists, like the sun. And yes, the sun will eventually burn out. And in who knows, in an in infinity timeline, the life of the sun is ephemeral, but billions of years, that's, it may as well be eternal. It may as well be eternal. That just exists. Non-judgment exists on its own, whether you want to believe it or not. And just think about the sides we take here. I'm, I characterize myself as a progressive, moderate progressive. Okay, and other people are conservative, right? If all the United States was like me, or let's say controlled by someone like me, I would find out if I kept on making value judgments, right? I would eventually find something else that angers me too, and I disagree with, probably with the same amount of emotion that I disagree with people. Uh, I disagree previously with and I would value I would uh, wager a guess that someone who was on the opposite side of me let's say if you were xenophobic and you just want to get rid of all, all the people that weren't like you all the people that spoke Spanish all the people that trans and all those you just get rid of them you get them out of the country let's be nice let's say let's say they're not gonna you know they get they create a space where it's just you know, well do you believe you can exist exist without hate if you lived on hate and dissatisfaction? My wager guess is that you would never be satisfied and you'd always be dissatisfied and you'd always look for something else that would stir that thing that you're comfortable with and you're comfortable when you're comfortable with hate and inequality and things like that, you're always going to do it. And hate and inequality can exist in progressive mind. Okay, yeah, they can hate and inequality, meaning say you look at someone, you try to just uh, devalue them when you devalue someone. It happens on the left, it happens on the right. Devaluing people that disagree with you. There's no reason to do that. And because once you devalue them, and they see that you're devaluing them, they're not going to value anything you say anymore. And if you lost any opportunity to convince them of your 
perspective. Once you get hateful and once you get militant on the left and right, you leave very little room for agreement. So boiling down, when I say there's nothing, when I say there's nothing good and bad in this world, that think it makes it so, I'm suggesting don't get too hard of a feeling. I understand, though, in order to be successful, you get the brutal, the and you, brutal can exist in both extremes. Being brutal can exist in almost any mindset. And you can succeed and you can win. But you're never really happy in the end. You're going to find something else that you disagree with. So anytime you get your way 100%, there's another way. There is another way for you to become happy. But once you get accepted in that view that you're thinking good or bad, once you start thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm valuing this thing, overvaluing this thing I thought was good. And I'm undervaluing the thing that I thought was bad. And maybe there's a middle ground. So if we can get like that in the United States, we can become more of a nation and become that part that people that we're not all alike and we don't think the same. We're never going to think the same. And that's what keeps us apart. But it's, it's, it's the extremes that really keep us separated and how we value them. And if we do that day to day by looking at, oh, the dog pooped on the rug, my brand new rug. Well, you had it. You got why to get the dog? Well, I got the dog because I love animals, and it's a rescue dog, and he's very important to me. But I wanted this really nice rug and stuff like that. And I said, well, you know, maybe that's what the dog does. It's an outdoor animal. That yes, they've been domesticated and things like that, but they're not going to use the toilet, and they're not going to wipe their own ass. Well, they kind of wipe their own asses on the on the rug. You know, get sick, they need to go out, they need to pee and do all that stuff. You're going to have, someone takes a shit on your rug. Good, bad, we'll see later, right? I spilled coffee on my new dress, on my new suit. Good, bad, we'll find out later. Oh my God, there's worse things. My 401k totally crashed. That's a big one. That's a big one. So, but once you get into the habit of it, and you get extreme. Let's say you get extreme in the thing of not being too judgmental about things. People say, oh, you'll be passionless. Will you be passionate about that? you be passionate about that? If you can be passionate about being too value judging, then maybe we can just make our life a little less stressful. Be more accepting of people. Not when you look out and look and see something. See a Trump flag or see a Biden flag. You don't have to have that knee-jerk reaction. Or you see someone who you know, says something horrible. They say something really despicable. And you just say, hmm, maybe you can look at that person and say, thank you for teaching me something today. When they say something really hurtful, and you say, it teaches me that I, I too can be judgmental if I'm not careful. So, Listen, this is just my opinion. I appreciate you for listening, but I'd like to move on now. Recently, and it's very recently, 
I had, uh, well, not very recently, a couple months ago, I had decided I wanted to push the envelope for this podcast, not by doing something new. Like, instead of doing audio, I'm doing brainwaves. No. I hired a company. It turned out they were in India. I just wanted to expand my, and not, not, nothing wrong with India, but, I mean, the, the expansion and listenership came from India. And, uh, again, I may have got a little in L.A., but who knows. But I would, I'm not going to get, if I wanted to monetize this show, I'm not going to be able to monetize it by necessarily having a large listenership in India. I need to monetize it by having a large lis- listenership here. Uh, it's nice to have these international listeners. I do. I value you. I love having to be, say, oh, well, this is what Americans like. This is how I'm learning the English language. Is this how you're learning the English language? Well, one of the things recently, this past week, uh, I've been getting listenership, and I don't quite understand it because I have uh, the demographic settings on my podcast application that tells me that this week, about 30% of my listeners on the one particular app are from the Russian Federation. And I do, I think Russia has, um, I'm not, I'm not a person that uh, necessarily kowtows or uh, kisses the ass of Vladimir Putin. I don't. Uh, Russia has a long history. They have some great writers, Dostoevsky. You have classical music. You have Tolstoy. Uh, classical music meaning um, Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff. You have, I mean, there's so many uh, art, beautiful art, great achievements, the defeat of the, um, Nazi Germany. But they also do a lot of pain and suffering in that big landmass that spans from inside Europe, west of the Urals, across Asia, the largest country in the world, physically. And they've been going through some hard times. It's an intelligent country, well-educated. They've had uh, a lot of technological achievements, you know, launching the first spacecraft and things like that. And I do appreciate being appreciated there. But for some reason, with the demographic statistics... I can get a listing that says, this week I got 2.3% of my listeners came from Chennai, it's spelled C-H-E-N-N-A-I, Chennai, India, or um, Bangkok, Thailand, (coughs) sorry, or Dublin, Ireland. But I get 40%. I don't get one... Uh, specification coming out of Russia for some reason. It's as if I get a download from Russia, there's a spigot, meaning there's a conduit that filters everything, so it won't give me a specific area. It won't say St. Petersburg. It won't say Moscow. It won't say, I don't know, a lot of other cities there. I apologize for that. Smolensk. Even though I think Smolensk is in uh, Belarus. Or Minsk is. Minsk is. So Smolensk may be there. So I know there are listeners there. I hope it's, uh, I hope 
you guys understand I do appreciate you. As well as I appreciate my listeners in India. And I didn't say India has some brilliant achievements there. And they're, they're quickly becoming one of the more advanced countries in the world. I think for some reason people, when countries are on top, and I was fortunate to be, even in this contentious time in the United States, I'm going to say I was very fortunate to be born in the United States because there's people you have no control over or where you're born. You have no control on how, where you're coming to existence, where you achieve consciousness. It's just the roll of the dice. And I feel fortunate to be here at this time. It's an interesting time. Like the saying, oh, I don't get a lot of listeners from China, though. So China, for some reason, I think China may not have the same access. I don't have any, uh, I, ha- I think I had some listeners in Hong Kong for a while, but I don't, I don't think it's, it's happening. I would like to get on. There has to be an English only. But I implore, because there's a billion point two people in China, if I can get a 0.1% there, that 1% of 1 billion is 10 million. If I can get a 0.1%, oh, let's say, well, I know the Chinese, how many people in China speak English. Let's say there's 300 million. So if I can get 300,000 listeners there, that'd be great. So I implore those people to listen. And if you can, share it with people in other countries. I try. I try to uh, be understanding. I speak from my perspective as being born in the United States, but I have traveled somewhat. I have listeners of Poland, Germany, Sweden, the Netherlands, Lederdorp. I still remember you. I, you know, I guess I really... And not everyone's cup of tea. But I always thought, I always thought in the back of my head that if I could zero in on that 0.1% of the people that are striving every day, try to be the best version of yourself. That's try to be the best version, the very best version of yourself. How about that? And not... Judge yourself harshly when you come up short. But every day striving to do it. I know it sounds antithetical to being successful. But if you strive to be the best version of yourself, I, I think the world would be a better place. I really do think it would be a better place. I hope that it becomes a better place. I hope we can get along a lot better. I hope it would be nice if we could take the money we spend on security, defense, and contribute to education uh, and health and uh, different type of infrastructure improvement. That'd be nice to be able to link everyone together. I think a healthy, a healthy world makes for healthier countries. I mean, in relationship to each other. I mean, you don't have to waste any resources and things like that. It may sound like socialism and things like that, but, you know, we are just wasting money doing that. Oh, there's my phone. That's my my beautiful wife. I want to thank you for listening. I mean, it's almost 50 minutes, so I better not go on for long. And I will 
get back to you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, contact me at jim at keysbartender.com. That's my email address. And I will address your questions. And uh, share with your friends. Share with your foreign friends. I did have uh, some listeners in Nepal. I would like to get Tibet. How about Taiwan? Why not Taiwan? I'm just going to put Taiwan. Taiwan. And, And I'm not trying to piss off the People's Republic either. I shouldn't have said that after imploring People's Republic to listen to me. Now I'm asking Taiwan, who they consider to be a province of the People's Republic. <clears throat> but I'm just looking for listenership. I'm not trying to uh, unsettle your government. That is something that's totally internal. And I think probably you would want uh, any of these uh leaders would want people to be their best to to strive to be their best and I hope you get to be the best today I'm trying to be I I don't always succeed I know I don't always succeed I if I ever succeeded succeeded that I would love to see that but that's making a value judgment good or bad I'm not doing that today so thank you very much I'm signing off with this music take care stay healthy and be nice to each other talk to you later Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a karate teacher to trim their hedges. Man, these shrubs are not made of plywood. Don't worry, another few chops should do it. Yeah! Nope! Yeah! Dang! But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Oh, this treehouse looks like particle board. Yeah! There we go. I'm starting to doubt myself. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.